Welcome to Voices of Church Past. I am your host, Rob Barnhart. Today we'll be finishing up Novation's Arguments on the Trinity. Then we're going to have to decide where we go from there. Moreover, the order of reason and the authority of the faith in the disposition of the words and in scriptures of our the Lord admonish us after these things to believe also on the Holy Spirit, once promised to the church and in the appointed occasions of times given. For he was promised by Joel the prophet, but given by Christ in the last days, says the prophet, I will pour out my spirit upon my servants and my handmaids. And the Lord said, Receive the Holy Ghost, whose sins you remit, they shall be remitted. Whose you retain, they shall be retained. But this Holy Spirit, the Lord Christ calls at one time the paraclete, and another pronounces to be the spirit of truth. And he is not new in the gospel, nor yet even newly given, for it was he himself who accused the people and the prophets, and the apostles gave them the appeal to the Gentiles. <clears throat> For the former deserved to be accused, because they had been condemned by the law, and they of the Gentiles who believed deserved to be aided by the defense of the Spirit, because they earnestly desired to attain the gospel. Assuredly, in the Spirit there are different kinds of offices, in the times there is a different order of occasions. And yet on this account, he who discharges these offices is not different, nor is he a, another in so acting, but he is one in the same, distributing his offices according to the times and the occasions and the impulses of these things. Moreover, the Apostle Paul says, having the same spirit, as is written, I believe, and therefore I have spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak, he is therefore one in the same spirit who was in the prophets and the apostles, except that in the former he was occasional, and the latter always, but in the former, not as always being as being always in them, and the latter as abiding always in them, and in the former distributed with reserve to and the latter all poured out, and the former given sparingly, and the latter liberally bestowed, and not manifested before the Lord's resurrection. But conferred after the resurrection, for he for said he, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another advocate, that he may be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. And when he, the advocate, shall come, whom I shall send unto you from my Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from my Father. And if I go not away, that advocate shall not come to you. But if I go away, I'll send it to you. And when the Spirit of truth shall come, he will direct you into all truth. As the Lord was about to depart to heavens, he gave the paraclete out of necessity to the disciples, so as not to leave them in any degree orphans, which was literal desirable, and forsake them without an advocate of some kind of protector. For this is he who strengthened their hearts and minds, who marked out the gospel sacraments, who was in them the enlightener of divine things, and they, being strengthened, feared for the sake of the Lord's name, neither dungeons nor chains, nay, even trod underfoot for the very powers of the world and its tortures, since they were henceforth armed, strengthened by the same Spirit, having in themselves the gifts which is, which this same Spirit distributes and appropriates to the church, the spouse of Christ, as her ordinance. This is he who places prophets in the church, instructs teachers, directs tongues, gives powers and healings, does wonderful works, often discrimination of spirits, affords powers of the government, suggests counsels and orders, and arranges whatever 
fellow gifts there are of charismata, and thus make the Lord's church everywhere and in all perfected and completed. This is he who, after the manner of a dove, when our Lord was baptized, came and abode upon him, dwelling in Christ, full and attire, and not maimed in any measure or portion, with his whole overflow, copiously distributed and sent forth, so that from him others might receive some enjoyment of his graces. The source and the entire Holy Spirit remaining in Christ, so that from him might be drawn streams of gifts and works. While the Holy Spirit dwelt affluently in Christ, truly Isaiah, prophesying this, said, And the spirit of wisdom and understanding shall rest upon him, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and piety, the spirit of fear of the Lord shall fill him. The self-same thing also he said in the person of the Lord himself in another place, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me, and he has sent me to preach the gospel to the poor. Similarly, David, Wherefore? God, even your God, has anointed you with oil of gladness above your fellows. And the Apostle Paul says, For he who has not the Spirit of Christ is none of his. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. It is He is it who affects the, with water the second birth as a certain seed of divine generation, the consecration of the heavenly na nativity, the pledge of a promised inheritance, as it were, kind of handwriting of eternal salvation. Who can make us God's temple and fit us for his house, who solicits divine hearing for us with groanings that cannot be uttered, filling the offices of advocacy and manifesting the duties of our defense, an inhabitant given for our bodies and an effector of their holiness, who working in us for eternity can also produce our bodies at the resurrection of immortality accustoming them to be associated in himself with heavenly power, to be allied with the divine entity of the Holy Spirit, for our bodies are both trained in him and by him to advance to immortality, by learning to govern themselves with moderation according to his decrees, for this is he who desires against the flesh, because the flesh resists against the spirit, this is he who restrains insatiable desires, controls immoderate lust. Quenches unlawful fires, conquers reckless impulses, repels drunkenness, checks avarice, drives away luxurious revealings, links love, binds together affections, keeps down sex, order the rule of truth, overcomes heretics, turns out the wicked, and guards the gospel. Of this says the same apostle, We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. Concerning him he exultantly says, and I think also that I have the Spirit of God, whom he says the Spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. Of him he also tells, now the Spirit speaks plainly, that in the last times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of demons, who speak lies and in hypocrisy, having their conscience cauterized. Established in this Spirit, none ever calls Jesus anathema. No one has ever denied Christ to be the Son of God, or has rejected God Creator. No one utters any word of his own contrary to the Scriptures. No one ordains other and sacrilegious decrees. No one draws off different laws. Whosoever shall blaspheme against him has not forgiveness, not only in this world, but also not in the world to come. This is he who in the apostles give testimony to Christ, and the martyrs show forth the constant faithfulness their religion 
and virgins restrains the admirable constancy of their sealed chastity, and others the guardians of the laws of the Lord, doctrine incorrupt and uncontaminated, destroys heretics, corrects the perverse, condemns the infidels, makes known pretenders, moreover rebukes the wicked, keeps the church uncorrupt and inviolate in the sanctity of a perpetual virginity and truth. And now, indeed, concerning the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, let it be sufficient to have briefly said this much, to have laid down these points concisely without carrying them out in a lengthened argument, for they could not be presented more diffusely and continued in a more expanded disputation. Since the whole of the Old and New Testaments might be adduced in testimony, that thus the true faith stands, but because heretics ever struggling against truth, are accustomed to prolong the controversy of pure tradition and Catholic faith, being offended against Christ, because he is moreover asserted to be God by the Scriptures also. This is to believe to be so by us. We must rightly that every heretical calamity may be removed from our faith. Contend concerning the fact that Christ is God also. Such a way as it as that it may not militate against the truth of Scripture, yet not against our faith. How there is declared to be one God by the Scriptures, and how it is held to be believed by us, as well as they who say that Jesus Christ Himself is God the Father. Moreover, they would have Him to be only man. Have gathered thence the sources and reasons of their error and perversity. When they perceived that it was written that God is one, they thought that they could not otherwise hold such an opinion than by supposing that it must be believed either that Christ was man only or really God the Father. And they were accustomed in such a way to connect their sophistries as to endeavor to justify their own error. And thus they who say that Jesus Christ is the Father argue as follows, God is one and Christ is God, Christ is the Father, God is one, Christ being not the Father, because Christ is God the Son, there appears to be two gods introduced contrary to scriptures. And they who contend that Christ is man only, conclude on the other hand thus, if the Father is one, the Son is another, but the Father is God, and Christ is God, then there is not one God, but two gods, a Father and a Son. And if God is one, by consequence, God, Christ must be man that rightly the Father may be one God. Thus indeed the Lord is, as it were, crucified between two thieves, even as he was formerly placed, and thus from either side he receives sacrilegious reproaches of such heretics as these. But neither the whole scriptures, nor we suggest to them the reasons of, for their petition and blindness, if they either will not or cannot see what is evidently written in the midst of the divine documents. We both know and read and believe and maintain that God is one, who made the heaven as well as earth, since we know and neither know any other, nor shall we at any time know such, seeing as I am God, and there is none other beside me, righteous and a Savior. And in another place I am the first and the last. Beside me there is no God who is as I, and who has meted out heaven with a span, the earth with a handful, who has suspended the mountains in a balance and the woods on the scales, and Hezekiah, that all may know that you are God alone, 
Moreover, the Lord himself. Why do you ask me concerning that which is good? God alone is good. Moreover, the apostle says, He only has immortality. He dwells in the light that no man can approach unto, whom no man has seen nor can see. Then in another place, but a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. But even as we hold and read and believe this, thus we ought to pass over no portion of heavenly scriptures. Since indeed also we ought by no means to reject those marks of Christ's divinity which are laid down in the scriptures, that we may not, by corrupting the authority of scriptures, be held to have corrected the integrity of our holy faith. And let us therefore believe this. It is most faithful that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is our Lord and God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, and God was the Word. The same was in the beginning with God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt in us. My Lord, my God, and who are the fathers, and of whom, according to the flesh of Christ, came, who is over all, God bless forevermore. What then shall we say? The Scripture set before us through God's. How then does it say that God is one? Or is not Christ God also? How then is it said to Christ, my Lord and my God? Unless therefore we hold all this with fitting veneration and lawful argument, shall reasonably be thought to have furnished a scandal to the heretics, not surely by the fault of heavenly scriptures, which never deceive, but by the presumption of human error, whereby they have chosen to be heretics. And in the first place we must turn the attack against them who undertake to make us make against us the charge of saying that there are two gods, it is written, and they cannot deny it, that there is one Lord. What then do they think of Christ? That he is Lord, or is he not Lord at all? But they do not doubt absolutely that he is Lord. Therefore, if their reasoning be true, here are already two Lords. How then is it true according to the Scriptures? There is one Lord. And Christ be called the one master. Nevertheless, we read that Paul, Apostle Paul is also master. Then according to this, our master is not one. For from these things we conclude that there are two masters. How then, according to scriptures, is one our master, even Christ? In scriptures, there is one called good, even God. But in the same scriptures, Christ is also to be asserted to be good. There is not then, if rightly conclude, one good, but even two good. How then, according to the scriptural faith, is there to be said only one good? But if they do not think that it can be by any means interfere with the truth that there is one Lord, that Christ also is Lord, nor with the truth that there is that one is our master, that Paul also is our master, or with the truth that one is good, that Christ is also called good, on the same reasoning, let them understand that from the fact that God is one, no obstruction arises to the truth, that Christ is also declared to be God. Thus God the Father, the founder and creator of all things, who only knows no beginning, invisible, infinite, immortal, eternal, is one God, to whose greatness and or majesty or power. I would not say nothing can be preferred, but nothing can be compared of whom, but he will that the Son, the Word, was born is not received in the sound of the stricken air, or in the tone of voice forced from the lungs, but is acknowledged as the substance of the power put forth by God, the mysteries of whose sacred and divine nativity neither an apostle has learned, nor prophet has discovered, nor angel has known. 
nor creature has apprehended. To the Son alone they are known, or is known the secrets of the Father. He then, since he was begotten by the Father, is always in the Father. And I thus say always that I may show him not to be unborn, but born. But he who is before all time must be said to have always been in the Father, for no time can be assigned to him who is who is before all time, and he is always in the Father, unless the Father be not always the Father, only that the Father also precedes him in a certain sense, since it is necessary to some degree that he should be before he is Father, because it is essential that he who knows no beginning must go before him who has a beginning, even as he is the less as knowing that he is in him, having origin because he is born of like nature with the Father in some measure by his nativity, although he has a beginning in that he is born, so much as he is born of that fat her who alone has no beginning. He then, when the Father willed it, proceed, proceeded from the Father, and he who was in the Father came forth from the Father, and he who was in the Father because he was of the Father was subsequently with the Father, who came forth from the Father, that is to say, that divine substance, whose name is the Word, by all things were made, and without whom nothing was made. For all things were after him, because they are by him. And reasonably he is before all things, but after the Father. Since all things were made by him, and he proceeded from him, those whose will all things were made, surely God proceeded from God, causing a person, second to the Father's being the Son, not taking from the Father that characteristic that he is one God. For if he had not been born, compared with him who was unborn, uh, equality being manifested both, he would make two unborn beings, thus make two gods. If he had not been begotten, compared with him who was not begotten, and as being found equal, they are not being begotten, would have reasonably given two gods, and thus Christ would have been the cause of two gods. Had he been formed without a beginning as the Father, and he himself at the beginning of all things, as is the Father, this would have made two beginnings, and consequently would have shown us two gods also. Or if he were also not the Son, but the Father begatting himself another Son, reasonably as compared with the Father, and designating as great as he, he would have caused two fathers. Thus he would also have proved the existence of two gods. Had he been invisible as compared with the invisible, and declared eagle, he would have shown forth two invisibles. Thus also he would have proved them to be two gods. Incomprehensible, if also whatever other attributes belong to the Father reasonably would say, and not give a rise to the allegation of two gods, as the people feign. Now whatever he is, he is not of himself, because he is not unborn, but he is of the Father, because he is begotten. Whether as being the word, or whether as being the power, or as being wisdom, or as being the light, or as being the sun, or whatever of these he is, and that he is not from any other source, as we have already said before, than from the Father, owing his origin to the, his Father, he could not make a disagreement in the divinity by the number of two gods. He has gathered his beginning by being born of him who is one God. In which kind, being both as well only begotten as the first begotten of him, 
but has no beginning. He is the only one of all things, both source and head. And therefore he, he declared that God is one, and that he proved him to be from no source nor beginning, but rather the beginning and source of all things. Moreover, the Son does nothing of his own will, nor does anything of his own determination. Nor does he come from himself, but obeys all his Father's commands and precepts, so that although birth proves him to be a son, yet obedience even to the death declares him to be minister of the will of his Father, of whom he is, thus making himself obedient to his Father in all things, although he is also is God. Yet he shows the one God, the Father, to be by his obedience, from whom he also drew his beginning, and thus he could not make two gods. He did not make two beginnings, seeing that from him who has no beginning received the source of his nativity before all time. For since that is the beginning to other creatures which is unborn, which God the Father only is, being beyond a beginning of whom he is who was born, while he who is born of him reasonably comes from him who has no beginning, proving that to be the beginning from which himself is, even though he is God who is born, yet he shows him to be one God whom he was born proved to be without a beginning. He is therefore God, but begotten for the special result that he should be God. He is also the Lord, born for this very purpose of the Father. He might be Lord. He is also an angel, but he was destined of the Father as an angel to announce the great counsel of God. And his divinity is thus declared that it may not appear by any dissonance or inequity of divinity to have caused two gods. For all things being subjected to him as the Son by the Father, while he himself with those things which are subjected to him, Subjected to his father, and he is indeed proved to be the be son of his father. He is found to be both Lord and God of all else. Once while all things were put under him, or delivered to him who is God, and all things are subjected to him, the son refers all that he has received to the father, remits again to the father the whole authority of his divinity. The true and eternal father is manifested as the one God, from whom alone this power of divinity is set forth also given and directed upon the Son, and is again returned by the communion of the substance to the Father. God indeed is shown as the Son, to whom the divinity is beheld, to be given and extended. And still, nevertheless, the Father is proved to be one God, while by degrees and reciprocal transfer, that majesty and divinity are again returned and reflected and sent by the Son himself to the Father who had given them, so that reasonably God the Father is God of all, and the source also of his Son himself, whom he begot as Lord. Moreover, the Son is God of all else. God the Father put before him all whom he begot. Thus the mediator of God and men, Christ Jesus, having the power of every creature, subjected to him by his own Father, insomuch as he is God, and every creature subdued to him, found at one with his Father God, as by abiding in that condition that he moreover was heard, briefly proved God his Father to be one and only true God. This has been Novation's argument for the Trinity. I hope you enjoyed it. It, it took us a while. I do apologize. Um, it was 
Um, difficult to pick out like which parts of to read and try to find a right uh, amount of time for each individual episode for his uh, arguments. Uh, there was no really uh, easy way to determine what what to read and what not to read and how long to let the show go. So we had a little bit more episodes than maybe other others. But the, I, I, I imagine that that's going to be the case when we listen to other church fathers, that depending on how they write and stuff like that, I'm probably going to have different varying lengths of individual episodes. I felt that sometimes uh, Novation's arguments could be really easy to comprehend, and therefore it would include more more at length for you to digest. And then I also felt that sometimes the arguments were a little bit uh, hard to follow and would need to be a shorter episode so that you can maybe go back and listen to it a couple times kind of so that you can kind of follow his arguments a little bit better. Um, <clears throat> because sometimes he would cycle through an argument and then he would repeat the argument later and sometimes so it'd be kind of hard to kind of follow because we tend to not do arguments like that anymore we tend to make our point and kind of move on to the next argument um where he he kind of writes a lot like john if you read john uh in the bible he kind of does circular arguments where he'll kind of talk about an argument and then circle back around and talk about that argument again so you know it was it was hard to kind of figure out like um, the right length for this particular writing. I, I would guess that that's going to be the case. Depending on how easily readable the father is, in my opinion, and and just, you know, as I hear it in my head and stuff like that, to see whether or not it would be easy to process versus harder to process. If I feel that it needs to be given more time to maybe be listened to multiple times so the person can grasp the argument, I'm probably going to make the episodes a little shorter so it's easy for you to go back and listen to it. <clears throat> of course, you know, I hope that, you know, when I get to uh, an argument like this from a church father that... I appreciate and I've seen that a lot of you listen to each individual episode as it comes out. Eventually, you know, it would probably make sense to kind of go back and listen to the whole argument in one, you know, flow. Of course, that would take hours and hours and hours. Of course, you'd have to do that over multiple days, but because it's meant to be read in one particular setting, Doing it over multiple weeks and stuff like that kind of breaks up the arguments a little bit and stuff like that. So it might be easier to kind of do like a consecutive listen. Like um, I would recommend maybe that at one point in time. Um, so I haven't decided what exactly I'm going to do next. Um, I have it in my mind to maybe check into Cyprian and maybe, maybe do that. Dr. James White brought up uh, reading some writing from Cyprian that he wished somebody would do that. So I might do that. <clears throat> but uh, I'm going to look over a couple of church fathers and stuff like that and maybe decide to pick one. I know coming up soon, I'm going to read. And it's it might take forever, but I want to do it. Um, I'm going to do Augustine. And I'm going to on purposely pick Augustine that probably most people have never heard, which is the uh, I mean, it's his most popular writing, 
it's called City of God. <clears throat> you know, I'm probably going to do that one, you know, although, you know, the most often quoted of Augustine, um, if you're from the Protestant tradition, would be from his anti-Pelagius writings. Um, so I, I really want to do that uh, eventually. I also have it still in my mind that I really want to do both uh, apologies from Justin Martyr, because it was the first official um, apologetics argument in church history post scripture. Of course, uh, you can find uh, apologetical arguments in scripture. Um, so you know, there's a couple different areas where I want to go. Kind of have it in my head uh, what the rest of probably this year looks like. Um, till then. May the Lord keep you steadfast in the one true faith given unto the saints. May he persevere you, brothers and sisters, so that one day I could see you before Jesus Christ, free from sin, free from death, in perfect unity, and so that we could worship the one and true Lord and Savior Jesus Christ uh, together as we ought to, as we should have been had Adam not fallen. Till then, brothers and sisters, God bless.